Well, good morning, and thank you for joining our worship service here at Church in the Valley, Alhambra. Um, We're just so glad that you've joined us, um, and I trust that God has something really great for you in store from his word this morning. Um, It's my privilege to be able to bring the word, and I want to invite you to open up your Bible to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, we're going to be looking at verses 19 through 30, and the title of the message this morning is The Power of Godly Examples. The power of godly examples. So as we read Philippians chapter 2, verses 19 through 30, be looking for that theme, uh, the power of godly examples. I'll read our text, and then I'll pray, and we will get into the message. So follow along with me as I read Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 19. Paul writes, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interest, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. I hope therefore to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord, that shortly I myself will come also. I have thought it necessary to send to you Paphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but also me, but, all, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy, and honor such men. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Let's pray together. Father, we come to your word humbly and we confess our sin. We ask, Lord, that, that by the blood of Christ we would be cleansed and that we would be able to approach your word with a clear conscience and that you would uh, speak to us, God, through your word and transform us, God, by your word, by the power of your Holy Spirit, so that we would be changed, so that we would more faithfully reflect the glory of Christ in just everyday life. God, would you use your word in this powerful way now in our time. For the glory of Christ, we pray. Amen. Well, if you were to read the book of Philippians, I mean, just from beginning to end, like you would a letter, it it is a letter. If you were to just read it like that, I think this section, verses 19 through 30, would kind of stand out. Because as we've seen, most of what Paul is doing is, is sort of challenging the church at Philippi and encouraging them and exhorting them and commanding them. And then he takes these verses to commend to them these two individuals, Timothy and Epaphroditus. So it's, it's kind of a pause in what Paul has been doing and what he'll go back to in the next section for Paul to highlight two godly men. He points out the example of these two men and he invites the reader, he invites us, to sort of take notice of these guys. He says, look at these guys. Take notice. Pay attention to their life. And if you think for a moment, 
about why it is that people get noticed in the world, in our, in our context, and I think this has probably always been true, it usually has to do with the fact that someone gets noticed because they have some special talent or they have some special look or they've um, accomplished something special. That's usually in the world how it works. But what this passage shows is that in God's kingdom, it's different. In God's people, in God's kingdom, people are recognized for their character, for what their character demonstrates and shines as their character reflects God's character. And, you know, this is so encouraging to me, and I hope this is encouraging to you because, you know, most of us don't have a special talent or a special look or a special accomplishment. And, you know, living in the world, you can just feel like, well, you know, I guess, I guess I'm just sort of going to, you know, drift into obscurity and, and just live sort of, you know, without any recognition. But in God's kingdom, recognition is for character. And this is encouraging to us because all of us um, can cultivate godly character. All of us can cultivate godly character. The same kind of character for which Paul commends Timothy and Epaphroditus, all of us who are Christians can cultivate that character and in doing so, make a massive impact in God's kingdom. So this is encouraging to me. I hope this is encouraging to you. And that's the reason that the, today's message is titled The Power of Godly Examples. And look, let me say up front, some of us grew up uh, some of us grew up with lots of godly examples and others really maybe you're new to the faith and you've not had a lot of godly examples. And and I, I want you to be encouraged because, you know, uh, Epaphroditus probably did not grow up in a Christian home. Most commentators believe, you know, probably came to the faith later. And, you know, God is setting him forth as a godly example. And no matter what your background you can learn from godly examples and you can become a godly example. Or maybe, you know, you've lived a lot of your life and not been a godly example. And there's a lot of hope here because, look, part of being a godly example is confession and change, what the Bible calls repentance. And so, you know, you might have lived a lot of your life not being a godly example. But don't be discouraged because through God's word, by the power of his spirit, you can become a godly example. And also, you know, you might be sitting there watching this with, with your family, people who know your failures, know your faults, and you can be thinking, you know, I've just blown it in so many ways. But part of the encouragement of this passage is that, you know, Paul invites us to consider these men as we seek to grow in our faith. And the past does not need to dictate the future. By God's grace, we can change, we can grow, and those of us who have not been godly examples, we can become godly examples. And I think that'll be more clear as we look at this passage. All right. So the passage, as I say, mentions two people, Timothy and Epaphroditus. And Timothy is, he's kind of well known in the Bible. Uh, you know, in the Bible, there's the book of First and Second Timothy. And those books are letters from Paul to this guy, to Timothy. And Timothy 
It says in verse 22 of our passage is like a son to Paul. He's not actually a physical son, but he's like a son. He's like a spiritual son to Paul. Epaphroditus is less well known. Really, all that God intends for us to know about this guy, Epaphroditus, is contained in the seven verses that talk about him in Philippians, in our passage here, and then one verse later in chapter 4. What we do know is that Epaphroditus is from the church in Philippi. And the church in Philippi sends Epaphroditus to Paul in Rome. So they sent him to serve Paul in Rome. And this is, this is what Paul calls him. In verse 25, he says, Epaphroditus is your messenger and minister to my needs. So the church in Philippi sends Epaphroditus to Rome. So Epaphroditus is in Rome with Paul and Timothy. And it's clear from our passage, I'm sure you caught this, that Paul is thinking about ascending Epaphroditus home because on his missionary journey, Epaphroditus is really a minister, a missionary. He gets sick. It's mentioned uh, that he's sick in verse 25. Paul says he's thinking of sending him back. Paul says that he, in verses 26 and 27, it says that he's so sick that he was on the verge of death. And then in verse 30, Paul says he, he almost died. So the church in Philippi sends Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus gets sick. The church is worried about Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus is worried because they're worried about him. And he seems to have recovered because, you know, Paul says that he, he was ill. And, he, and Paul says, indeed, he was ill near to death. So it seems like he's recovered. But Paul is now saying, I'm going to send this guy back to you. And as part of this letter, telling them he's going to send him back, Paul tells the church what a great guy he is. And I think this is interesting because Paul seems to be anticipating that there might be some who see Epaphroditus come home early from his, from his mission trip, essentially. And they might have thought, you know, this guy failed. You know, maybe we sent him there for a long period and he came home after a short period. You know, maybe he didn't accomplish all that we had hoped he would accomplish. He didn't stay as long as we thought he would stay. And so Paul is anticipating that the church in Philippi, at least some people, might be tempted to think that Epaphroditus was a failure. And Paul says, look, this guy is no failure. He is a rock star of the faith. He is faithful. He is uh, a fellow uh, worker, a fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister. He accomplished the mission. And so Paul is commending Epaphroditus in anticipation of his return to his home church and also Timothy, whom he hopes to send. So these are the two guys that Paul says, pay attention to them, honor people like this. And we really just want to ask the question, what is it about these men that Paul, uh, for which Paul singles them out? You know, what is it about these guys that Paul pauses this letter to focus on their character? What is it about them that we can learn from? And what are the character traits that we can grow in as we look to celebrate the gospel and grow in the gospel as a church? Well, I think there's really two main things that Paul is celebrating about their character. 
that I want to focus on. Number one, these were guys who put other people first. I mean, that's just really obvious from the text. These guys, Timothy and Epaphroditus, put other people first. Notice what Paul says of Timothy in verse 20. Paul says, I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. So the reason Paul is praising Timothy, it's not any of the stuff the world usually celebrates. It's the fact that Timothy put other people first. He was more concerned about them than he was himself. And really the same thing is said about Epaphroditus. Look in verse 26. Paul says, He has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. So we know that Epaphroditus was sick. We know that he was sick to the point of death. Paul says he almost died. And yet as he's sick on his deathbed, what, 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 what might have become his deathbed, Paul says he was concerned about you. He was distressed because you were distressed. And I don't know about you, but I am probably most selfish when I am sick. I mean, when I am sick, I am just sort of miserably self-absorbed. All I can think about are my symptoms. All I can think about are my pains and my aches and I am just not a good patient because I am very self-absorbed when I am sick. So it's all the more astonishing the character that Epaphroditus displays because he puts other people first even when his life is at risk. So these guys had godly character. And what is godly character? Well, one of the things that really uh, highlights godly character is putting other people first. That's the first thing. Second, Timothy and Epaphroditus served. They served others. Notice what it says in verses 21 and 22. About Timothy, Paul says, For they all seek their own interest, not those of Christ, of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel. So Paul says, listen, let me just pause to pay attention to these two guys because of their character. They put other people first and they serve. Paul says, Timothy has proven worth. You know, in the kingdom, proven worth is not about what the world celebrates. It's about putting others first and it's about serving. That's what Paul says about Timothy. And that's also what Paul says about Epaphroditus. Look at verse 30. It says he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. So Paul's sending Epaphroditus back in anticipation of that action. He writes a letter. As part of that letter, he commends Timothy and their missionary Epaphroditus. He says, look, don't, don't look down on Epaphroditus for me sending him back. He's, he's outstanding. He's a man of character. He puts other people first. And he's a servant, and he was completing what was lacking in your service to me. So Paul says, listen, don't just receive Epaphroditus. Celebrate men like Epaphroditus who serve faithfully. So the character that is worthy of celebration in the kingdom, in the church, the kind of character we should be recognizing and celebrating 
is really summarized by putting other people first and serving others. This is the kind of character that makes a person famous in heaven. It's their habit of putting people first and serving others. And and all of this really is especially in the context of the local church. I mean, listen, we should be we should be serving others and, and putting other people first, you know, in, in sports and, and, in, and in all areas of life, right? But especially in the local church, when someone comes into the church, they should see just a committed group of people serving each other and putting each other first. And listen, when they come into that kind of context, they're going to know that there is something different about us from anywhere else in society. Putting others first and serving others. That's the mark of greatness in God's kingdom. The world says, put yourself first and figure out how to get others to serve you. But God says, if you want to be first, you must be last. That's what Jesus says in Matthew twenty sixteen. Matter of fact, in Matthew 20, there's a story of the sons of Zebedee, their mom actually coming to Jesus and saying, Jesus, provide it that one of my sons will sit at your left and one of my sons will sit at your right. And, and, and she's basically asking, let my sons be great in your kingdom. And it's interesting to me that Jesus doesn't say, look, don't worry about greatness. Jesus doesn't say that. He doesn't dismiss greatness. He redefines Greatness. And Jesus says this in Matthew twenty twenty eight, Whomever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. You see, when you commit your life to following Christ, you're committing your life to putting others first and serving others because that's what Jesus did. That's what our master did. And we want to follow him in this way. So what we see is that Timothy and Epaphroditus are examples of what it means to reflect the character of Christ. Jesus, after all, came to serve and to lay down his life for others. Now, you might remember that earlier in the book of Philippians, earlier in chapter 2, in verses 5 through 8, Paul says this. Paul says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not account equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man, And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So these men, Timothy and Epaphroditus, are worthy of honor because they're following Christ. And look, anyone in the church who is following Christ, putting others first, serving others in faithfulness to the gospel is worthy of our recognition and our honor. And look, this is the power of godly examples. The title of this sermon is The Power of Godly 
examples. And you might be wondering, well, what is the power of godly examples? Well, let me just be very clear. The power of godly examples is that they draw people's attention to Christ. And in Christ, there is joy and life forever. And so if your life reflects the character of Christ and people see you as a mom or a dad or as a a brother or a sister or an uncle or a grandparent, and if by observing your life of service and selflessness, their attention is drawn to Christ, then your example has had tremendous impact and tremendous power, eternal impact and eternal power. You know, the Bible says that we are to imitate Christ and those who are following Christ. You know, in our society, the word imitate is usually, you know, it's sort of negative. You know, nobody wants to be just an imitation. If somebody calls something an imitation, it's, it's uh, you know, it's a criticism, really. But in the Bible, we're called to imitate Christ and those who are following Christ. Imitation is actually a powerful tool by which we develop godly character. And, and, you know, I mentioned earlier that you might be sitting there thinking, you know, I I haven't been a godly example. But maybe now you're thinking, I really want to be a godly example. But how how do I go from not having been a godly example to becoming a godly example? Well, first of all, you need to know what you should be looking for. And Timothy and Epaphroditus help us understand the kind of character we should be recognizing and celebrating. And then the Bible says we need to imitate those kinds of individuals. So 1 Corinthians 10, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians 11, 1. Paul says, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Paul says, look, I'm trying to imitate Christ. And as I try to imitate Christ, you guys imitate me. And this is the way that we We grow in the gospel. This is the way discipleship happens, is people set their mind to follow Christ and others follow their example. And that's how they grow. 1 Thessalonians 1, 6, Paul says, you became imitators of us in the Lord. So it's the same idea. Paul says, look, as we're following Christ, you can follow us because we're setting an example for you to imitate. Philippians 3.17, in our book, Paul is going to say, join me, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. Let me read that again. Join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. Listen, we live in such a dangerous time because it is so easy to get lost in the sea and the universe of popular personalities, many of whom are celebrated, let's be honest, for a lot of bad reasons. And Paul is reminding us that as Christians, we are to set our eyes on those who walk according to the example of Scripture. And we're not just to look at them. We're to imitate them. And when we see people following Christ, living according to God's word, and when we recognize those are noble individuals, those are godly individuals, and we commit our lives to imitating their example, then as we grow in faith and as we grow in godliness, 
those character qualities become true of us. With practice and discipline, we grow ourselves to be more like Christ as we follow individuals who are following Christ. And then we become the kinds of people who can say, like Paul, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. And that, in summary, is sorry, the sort of the story of Christian discipleship and the story of life transformation and how people go from knowing they're not a godly example to becoming men and women who can say, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. And Timothy and Epaphroditus just sort of model what that looks like. Well, let me make three points of application as I conclude. Number one, just self-reflection. Right? I think a passage like this invites us to ask the question, am I setting an example for others to follow? In my speech, in my personal discipline, in, in, in what I watch and what I listen to, just in my life, could people follow me as I follow Christ? And look, I don't say this to guilt you or shame you. I say this because all of us have room to grow. All of us have areas of life where we need to sort of tidy things up in obedience to Christ and, and really commit new areas of our life to growth. So first, just kind of self-reflection. How am I doing? Can, can people follow me as I follow Christ? Number two, recognition, I think, is part of the application of this passage. After all, Paul is publicly recognizing godly individuals. The world is going to celebrate people for one set of reasons, but in the church we need to recognize individuals for godly character. And look, I know that the church, every church, has things that we're, we're prone to criticize and problems that need to be addressed. And sometimes there's sin that needs to be addressed. And that's part of any community of believers. But look, God has put people in his church that are faithful examples of godliness. And we should recognize those individuals. We should look for opportunities to sort of celebrate the stories in our community where men and women are really modeling this kind of faithful, godly character. And look, God has put people in your life that have been a part of your development. Maybe it was a parent or an uncle or a grandparent or a, a wana or Bible study teacher or just somebody in your life whose example has encouraged you to grow in godliness. And it's appropriate to recognize those people. It's appropriate to email them or text or write a letter and just say, look, you know, we studied a passage where two individuals were sort of highlighted for their godly example. And you have been a godly example to me. And I just want you to know what an impact you've had in my life. The power of godly examples. It should be recognized. Well, third, aspiration. So let's reflect. Am I, am I setting a godly example? Are we recognizing individuals who set a godly example? Number three, aspiration. We should read a passage like this and want to grow in our own ability to model the kind of character 
that the Bible celebrates, the kind of character that reflects who Christ is, the kind of character that makes others want to hear about Christ and seriously consider the gospel. You know, later in chapter 3, Paul talks about becoming like Christ. We'll look at this later, but in in chapter 3, Paul says, I want to become like Christ, and he says, I press on to that goal. And when we read this, we should set some goals and commit ourselves to new ways where we can grow in godliness and set an example that will have a powerful impact on others for the gospel. Aspiring to serve, aspiring to put other people first. I mean, just in practical ways, when there's a chore that nobody wants to do, aspire to step up and do it. You know, when there's one left of something, aspire to be the kind of person that says, look, you, you have it. Um, When there's something in the church that needs to get done, aspire to be the kind of person that says, nobody wants to do that. I'll do it. And aspire to be the kind of person that rather than looking at the stuff the world celebrates, aspire to be the kind of person like Paul who gets genuinely encouraged and genuinely excited when you see godly character on display. And when you do, whether it's in your spouse or your kids, honor that and recognize it and esteem people who model godliness because they're making an impact in the kingdom of God. They're making an impact on us and they're making the gospel as attractive as possible for everyone to see that they should put their faith in Christ and commit their lives to following him. Let's pray together. God, thank you for this passage and reminding us that you have left your church with godly men and godly women who are faithful and and often they're anonymous. They don't get recognition. But Father, we thank you for these people because they've encouraged us. They've kept us going at times when we felt like giving up. They helped us to see what it looks like to be a follower of Christ, a godly young person, a godly parent, godly spouse. Father, would you help us not only to continue to learn, but would you help us to be the kinds of individuals who set a godly example that has a powerful impact on others? We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.